Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. I do hope you're having a good day. Uh, welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Ah, this is episode number 70, uh, where I had the immense pleasure of having uh, Candice Quartermain, love the last name, uh, on the podcast. Uh, she is a <clears throat> circular uh, economy relationship uh, communications coach. Uh, basically, uh, we had a in-depth conversation about many different subjects, uh, especially around the circular economy. Uh, yeah, so please sit back, enjoy this podcast, and yeah, uh, have a great day. And yeah, please subscribe. Have a great one. And I shall speak to you soon. Peace. Ah, hello my friends, hello my life warriors, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Oh, this is episode number 70. Today I am very privileged to have, oh, Candice Quartermain, like, uh, you know what, I like the last name Quartermain, it reminds me of Kim Solomon's mind, <laughs> but that's another story. But yes, she is a circular economy a relationship consultant out relationship communication coach, I should say, like consultant, maybe, uh, yes. But how are you today, uh, Miss Quartermain? I think I'm going to do you like that. How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, when, like, just a quick question. When they say circular economy, what does that mean? Oh, great question. So the circular economy is basically a model that seeks to shift our existing economy from take, make and throw away to one that's regenerative by design. So it's around if we're going to take and make, how do we regenerate? How do we put it back into the system so it can continue to add value for us over and over again? Mm. Not just in the concept of, um, you know, materials like plastics it's also in the concept of the biological side like our soils you know if we're going to grow something and use our soils how do we keep our soils nice and enriched and keep the food that we have and use going back into back into mother nature back into earth to continue to provide life for us mm. uh, like back into mother nature to like provide life for us uh, what sort of thing like what sort of schemes have been put into place right now uh, to make that happen oh there is you know it's such an exciting time I think for many of us we might be focusing on some of the trials and tribulations but you know we've never been healthier we've never been living better and in, in many places in the world and we really are going from strength to strength and I think what we're really seeing is a shift of consciousness where people are recognizing better ways of doing things yeah. and seeing it you know there's big organizational shift um, in you know just sustainability initiatives within organizations themselves but there's many many different communities out there that are also focusing on this stuff local and regional and global and you then you've got big specific organizations that focus primarily on the circular economy movement like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation in the UK I set up an organization in Australia called Circular Economy Australia. We've got some really amazing legislation going out through government across the whole of Europe, including the UK, that's really seeking to introduce these ideas and systems into 
all factors of life. So yeah, many, many places championing this way of thinking. Ah, like, yeah. So you mentioned like, it's not just plastics because like, this is the thing, the way I see like the, like the economy at this way, like make, as you mentioned, like, yes, make, throw, like make, take, throw away, was it? Or was it make, throw? Make, throw away, yeah. Yeah, you see, that's like a tongue twister to me. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah like basically the latest like canon and sony have just released like two of their latest cameras right and like this is a product which is going to be around for maybe five years but year on year you see new phones come out you see new laptops come out and like when i think about recycling i think aluminium and yeah plastic and maybe glass but there is a whole heap of other components which make up these products. So like, yeah, how much can you get out of them? Is it more than what I've just said? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, at the end of the day, if you are conscious about what, if you, if you lead with an intention of what it is that you want to design, mm. you know, and it really is, um, the first signal of human design. Mm -hmm. If you leave an intention to take a material, no matter whether it's biological or technical, you can actually make it in a way that it can go, it can continue to go around. And one of the easiest examples of this is designing something that can assemble and then disassemble easily. So the Herman Miller chair is a good example. Each product is specifically designed so each component can come apart and easily separate between the different kinds of materials to then go back into new systems to either fix or upgrade chairs, or um, they can actually then go get melted back down and made into new materials. So if you intend from the get-go to keep that material at its highest quality to continue to cycle around in a system, the opportunities are endless. The challenge for us is that we currently live in a system where we're trying to create economies of scale and really bring products to an affordable level, which may mean cutting corners and gluing things that mean that, you know, once they're glued or meshed with many different types of materials, then their ability to then reuse or regenerate is limited. And so like these technical products you talk about, about cameras and laptops and mobile phones, um, that really is the opportunity for these manufacturers to look at how they're making them with the opportunity to say, if we were to keep all these components um, to design the future phones, what does that look like? And it's true, you know, um, the components that exist in the latest technology of, of laptops, cameras, etc. today, mobile phones particularly, are actually very similar to what they were 10 years ago. The technology is just updated, you know, things are smaller and more compact and they're, they're, we've learned. So I think, you know, the things to be mindful of is like a material like gold. There is now more gold in mobile phones in the world than there is estimated to actually be left in the ground. So there's a hell of a lot of gold to be Sorry. found. In <laughs> and fill and and so people are now mining for these materials in other places because they've already been reused and trashed yeah um, now we don't have them left in our in our earth and that's that's the bit where we need to start thinking about how we you know find the value moving forward more gold in mobile phones 
right now than it actually is in the what? Wow. Yeah, or above the ground for sure. Then, then there is that. Yeah, right. there's a hell of mobile phones that we had no idea about. Well, yep, there's gold in those mobile phones. Yeehaw, as they say. Yes, um, like this is the thing. I, like when you say like yes, when I think recycling, sometimes I think of it as like products which are not sort of high end. But when you mention the Herman Miller chair, that is like. If you don't know Herman Miller, it's like quite up there as things go with regards to products. But um, that aside, with yourself, how do you sort of get in? How do people, like people, organizations, or companies get you in the mix of things to help them with this? That's a great question. Uh, so I regard myself as a orchestrator or a facilitator. So my job is to really enable. And what I do is I connect people to possibility. And I do that by identifying, well, I guess what exists, but primarily I come in with understanding what the vision is, why the organization or the project or whatever it might be exists in the first place. What is the desirable outcome? And then what I I do is I then break it down into all the different resources and relationships that exist in order to maximize the opportunity to achieve the outcome that we want to do. And a lot of the work that I do now is really about helping organizations I be reminded of what their vision is in the first place. Because, you know, it all comes down to intention. These amazing organizations exist not because they want to make lots of money, which is often what becomes business as usual. You know, you have to go out and sell a certain amount because you've got bills to play and <clears throat> jobs to keep and all that, all that jazz. But actually, the person that created the carpet company, the lighting company, the service company, they had a vision of wanting to contribute in the world mm. when they started. And so a lot of my work is actually about identifying how we rekindle that vision and how we bring that vision into the day to day to really open up possibility with how we work and achieve what it is that we're trying to achieve beyond just the economic desirability. Mm, so beyond the economic desirability. So would that mean products would be more expensive or would that mean what would that mean well it comes in uh it comes in many different forms but having worked in the space now for over 10 years you know i'm really realizing that the first place that we start with when we're looking at why we do what we do because you know people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it mm -hmm. okay? and so and this comes from Simon Sinek and he's an incredibly inspiring man. And, you know, I totally believe in what he believes. And if you're interested in his stuff, definitely go watch his YouTube. Uh, yeah. But, sorry, what was that? And why? Uh, Simon Sinek. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge for all of us, not only on a personal level, but in our jobs and also ultimately in our organizations. And 
what I've realized over the last 10 years where I've been working in this economy space, and you can even see from our conversation, it's very quick and easy to talk about the mechanics, mm. you know, the materials of the system or the products. But actually what we need to be talking about, which is what I think is the bigger conversation, is the psychology, is the people part, is the why. Because I think it's 80% psychology and I think it's 20% mechanics. Because we now live in a world where anything's possible, right? Our imagination knows no limits, it's limitless, you know, and it's infinite. So there is always gonna be a way, but how are we showing up to what we wanna do? What's our intention of what we want to achieve? How are we interacting with the people around us to make the most of the opportunity that's available to us in that moment? And that's really where my, my work is focused at the moment is about saying, how are we showing up? Where are we wanting to go? And very much leading with a why rather than a how or a what. I see. And um, like this is the thing, uh, before you sort of came across the works of Simon Sinek, was that your sort of key focus beforehand or was it a case of it evolved over a course of time? So I have, for the first 20 years of my life, I was very much connected to the natural world in the sense of having a deep connection with horses. Okay. And so I've always been a feeler. You know, I'm driven by how I feel. That's always been a very strong reality for me. And then I've had to learn possibly also through my life in being, I had, I had two other challenges growing up. I had um, very poor eyesight. I actually didn't know that I needed glasses until the age of seven. So I was walking around not sitting. Oh, excuse me. Uh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> it's like, um, I think you might need glasses. <laughs> Short-sighted, so I could see the immediate things, but I couldn't see very far. Right. The benefit that it gave me and the frustration that it gave every, everyone else was that I developed a very wild imagination because I couldn't see it. So therefore I, I interpreted my world. And so, um, you know, as a kid, my, um, my aunt and my uncle would get frustrated because we'd be driving along and I would be seeing giraffes running along the road and zebras. And, you know, I grew up in Cape Town, so this is what I saw, but it really it was just sand and trees and, you know, nothing else. But my cousins were incredibly frustrated because they couldn't see it. So it was, it was an interesting dynamic, but I, I had a wild imagination and that, and that, you know, served me well. The second thing was, was that I found out later in life that I was quite severely dyslexic. So I have the reading and spelling ability of a 12 year old. And that is a superpower and has been a huge blessing for me in my life because I have never been able to just conform to the obvious way of doing things. That has been very hard for me to do. So I've had to find creative alternatives to a different, to getting the same outcome. You know, if people sit down in a circle and they did reading, I couldn't read and I didn't want to read. So I would offer to make the, the water for all the children 
instead or i would you know offer to do cleaning up or i'd find another way to get around that something i couldn't do and that served me really well in my career and definitely in this space that i'm in now where i've managed to identify and believe that anything is possible i've been able to practice finding alternative ways and thinking differently and i've also been able to really appreciate the power of my emotions to guide my authenticity and genuineness and desire for an honest um, result i guess into the work that i do and the contribution i make mm, i know like this is a thing i would say being a dyslexic myself i would say with regards to your imagination i think i i think because not having the sort of like yes the whole sort of reading writing down cold i think with regards to that side of many dyslexic they like the imagination and sort of creativity is a little bit more of a spark and it comes a little bit easier uh, than others and it's yeah you do find ways to get around as you said with in the water uh, for the circle but all in all i'd say generally on a day-to-day -day basis yeah like being able to see things just that is slightly different it makes a world of difference it can like from getting something done or failing it's just like that little bit's like yeah why not do it this way and people are like why didn't we think of that and it's just one of those things it's your superpower my friend it's your superpower make sure to use it well use it for good <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> you're just chucking it's like huh uh, put away the big laser <laughs> not right now <laughs> so with regards to like your sort of 20-year mission like well coming up to this point so was like apart from the dyslexia was there any other sort of challenges you found yourself in life because like you're a feel like you're a feely person compared to being like how can i say more practical say like how does that been for you well so the thing that i realized in being very much a feeler in my my early part of my life i realized that i had to learn the other side i had to learn the practicalities mm. and that very much was where I shifted my focus when I started my university career. Um, I went into that space. So I trained as a project manager. I trained in systems. I went into business. I worked as a, you know, a studio manager. I worked as a general manager. I helped to bring, I, I had, I helped to bring ideas to life in a practical sense, in the sense of time, cost, and quality, because I didn't have any of those skills before. So I trained very hard in that space. And what that meant was for the last sort of 15 years of my career, that's been my focus. I've had to deliver the projects. I've had to deliver the results. I've had to create the success for the organizations. I've had to identify new jobs. I've had to grow business, whatever it might have been. And that has really got me to the place that I'm at now where I'm able to return back to the more emotional side of things and I and identify that you can get things done 
but why and why are you getting those things done? Where is the intention of what it is that you're trying to create? Where is the vision of what you're trying to do? Because I think that that's our biggest opportunity now in society is to awaken from this world of opportunity that may have put us into a more autopilot state, you know, where we just do things because they're available to us and they're accessible, mm. but we don't actually question the value that they give us in our lives and whether that's something we really want to be doing that gives us that longer term sense of fulfillment. For example, scrolling on your mobile phone and social media, how much, if you were to really look at the amount of time that you invest in it, how much does it give you long-term satisfaction and joy versus discomfort and lost time of opportunity where you could potentially be doing something else that may serve you better? Uh, this time and opportunity which can serve you better. Now, yes, um, with that, with regards to that, so you know, there's been, how can I say, everyone's had a sort of healthy dose of getting a lot of time this year. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> so how have you been like making the most of your time over the last few months? I, to be honest, I completely feel that we have been given such a unique opportunity with COVID in the sense that it has been a very real reality mm. of life, you know, um, and I think the, the benefit of that is that it has awakened us out of that automation that I've just spe been speaking of, you know, these activities and these ways of living that we just do week on week and then we wake up three years later and go, why was I doing that? I didn't even like it. I didn't even enjoy it, but I just did it because I was comfortable and I, it was easy. Um, COVID has done this amazing thing where it has forced us to change and has put us into this discomfort against our will. But the benefit of that is we have learned something because that's what discomfort brings and that's what change brings is opportunity for growth. And my hope for the majority out there is that they have been able to seek the opportunity that has been presented and they've been able to learn something about themselves, about what makes them happy. It has been able to shift perspective for them to maybe have the space to reflect and process to question in a way that they may not have been questioning before. For me personally, in my life, I have definitely lent far more into that psychological space of saying, we really can do anything as a society and as humanity that we want to do. We just have to get ourselves in the right headspace to do it, you know, and looking at the amazing things that have come out of COVID, how quickly we've been able to respond, how quickly we've been able to create solutions, how quickly we've been able to 
find a way of living in our homes when the majority of the time it's about getting out the door every like when you say getting out the door quickly you've got how many kids uh, i know you've got one but do you have another uh, uh, yeah getting out of any place quickly with two children I think that's a I think that's a time left far 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 behind. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, well, I I do agree with you right now that with regards to like the lockdown, COVID, and everything like this, um, it had this is a unique opportunity. If you haven't been affected by like the big bad COVID. No, like none of your family or anyone suffered, fingers crossed. Uh, like this, with the amount of time which has been sort of given to the amount of people, if it's a case of like, if it's here in the UK, if they've been furloughed off with pay, uh, that's still like, that's a whole heap of time which you never get before. But just from the simple perspective of not, if you're working from home, not having to do that commute every time, if if it's half an hour or an hour, that is time you're getting back in droves. And I think with this, um, I think if this ever happens again, I think there's going to be people who have taken advantage of it fully right now. And there's going to be some people when it's over without going, damn, I had all that time, but I didn't do anything with it. Uh, <laughs> I feel sorry for those guys, but right now, it's an excellent time for people to do stuff they might not have done before. Um, like, yeah, I admit there was a period of time where you couldn't go out and do that, but you know what I mean? But if you want to learn a new skill at home, you can do that. If you want it to like, yeah, uh, getting like, learn a new language, basically like speak to people you haven't spoken to for ages. This is a perfect time for it. Yeah, and you know, the other thing I would say is that there have been so many of us affected in the health and wellness space as well as the, um, the work space. And I think no matter how hard it is or it has been, the, the reality is, is that you will have felt the discomfort and the need for change and you will have been able to create some form of change or prove to yourself that you can cope possibly more than you thought you could if someone had said to you before it happened, how do you think you're gonna handle this? Mm. You know, just proving that we as humanity are so much stronger and can deal with so much more than we may or may not allow our fears to let us do. I hope gives us the confidence and the courage to allow ourselves to live more into what we truly want. And uh, with regards to humanity and doing what they truly want, do you think there will be a sort of mass exodus or like a, this tsunami of change for a number of people? Or do you think it's going to be once we're back in, like people are like, oh, change, and like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> no, that ain't going to happen. What do you think is going to happen? My hope is that we start to believe a bit more in our internal voice that seeks to be better, seeks to want more, seeks to be the change that we want to see in the world. 
and seeks to lean into exploring what that might look like with whatever capacity we have available to us. That doesn't, that shifts that perspective of us leaning back and judging and having an opinion and pointing fingers and instead puts us in a position to be curious, to be open, to be willing to possibility. And I think that, you know, yes, there will be a lot of us where our comfort areas will come back again and we may lean back into that. But I do think change is about being deliberate, mm -hmm. about being open. It's about having a desire and, and going to seek that desire. But fundamentally, change is about taking small, tiny steps and showing up over and over and over again and creating new healthy habits that then result in the transformation. It's not a one pill, you know, COVID really in the reality of time um, was probably enough to initiate um, the, the initial cat it was the initial catalyst for change. But you know, you don't get a six pack from what, being overweight and obese because you turned up at the gym for a month. You know, you transform your body and your health and your lifestyle by showing up every day, by making a choice hundreds of thousands of times. And so that's my hope is that this has started something that can then enable healthier and more informed choices into the future. Mm, yeah, but no, I agree. You can't make those changes like showing up uh, once or twice to the gym to get that six pack. And like, yeah, change does take uh, a hell of a lot of effort. And yeah, those steps on a day-to-day -day basis. But also like with regards to change, there has to be like some, like, how can I put it? Incentive uh, there to make that change worthwhile. Uh, like with regards to like the circular economy, like if what, like you've told me, like you've told me about, yes, get like how much gold in, like more gold in phones and everything like that. But people like sometimes don't actually understand, but what does that mean in sort of economic terms, say? Uh, well, the first thing I would say is that, you know, um, people having an incentive the number one incentive that people have is that they want to survive. Yeah. And they want to have, live a healthy and happy life. That's what everyone wants. Mm. So whilst it's very easy to put labels and views and opinions about everyone else's business, at the end of the day, that's what we all want. And that's what we seek to try and do every day with our lives. That's what I believe. I think that the long-term incentive for something like a circular economy and achieving the kind of change that we're talking about, which for me is asking the question, which is how do we create the conditions for life to thrive? Mm -hmm. and I mean all life, not just us as humans, but I mean the environment in which we live in, because guess what? We cannot hold our breath and count our money, right? It isn't a reality. Mm. So we need our environment in order to survive, in order to be healthy. And I think that for me is we need to be reminded of that, that we are connected to this 
um, to this earth, to this world, that if the world is not healthy, we are not healthy. Mm. And for me, the, um, the incentive is to just seek to slow everything down and take more responsibility for who you are you can do anything in this life, but you can't necessarily do everything. And I think that's the challenge that we face in our world today, where we are trying to be given everything. Mm. Um, so the, the more we can start to listen to our own internal dialogue, you know, silence the mind and listen to the heart, um, as woo-woo as you might think that is, speak to someone that is older and wiser in their life and they will tell you that that is so true you know um i think the more it will serve us and we will find that we don't actually need things to be as complex and as full as they are now um and i think that will create an interesting shift and that will be the incentive because it will make us healthier and happier yeah no i understand that and like yes with regards to yes uh, count your money, like try breathing, count your money. I understand that totally. I just like, I just know there is a, like, there is a healthy group of people who just don't sometimes understand it. It's like, how can I put it? It's like when you describe, this is what I'm going to do to a house. There are many people who go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to knock through this wall. I'm going to put this and build a wall there, but they can never see it until you've actually hold up a drawing and go, this is what's gonna happen. And the reason why I said, what does that mean in economic terms? Because people will, like you talk about the healthy benefits, which is great for us as humans, great for the environment, for like, yeah, all the animals will walk around and basically the planet as a whole. But when you go, but yeah, what does that mean? when you say what's the finance, they don't understand it until you go, yeah, it will have X amount behind it. And I, oh, really? <laughs> All of a sudden. Um, that's how I, like, that's how I see some people seeing it. And I understand where you're coming from. And yeah, I can see what you're saying. And I understand that totally. But can you get what, do you understand where yeah. I'm going? What I'm hearing is uh, you're saying that money talks, which I 100% agree with. You know, that is how our economic system works. Our economic system is one that relies on growth. Mm. The challenge is, is that the current economic system relies on infinite growth by using finite resources. So no matter how much you project into the future, that system cannot sustain itself for the foreseeable. And, it's, and we're seeing that effect already in very dramatic ways. Um, whether it's affecting you directly or not, the realities are out there. You know, we live in a world where we're globally connected. It's called google.com. Go and research and see very <laughs> what's going on. And you know, I think this is what's really real about COVID. Um, COVID is a result of the world in which we're living in. And um, it's very real. Things get very real very quickly. For me, the reason why I loved and bought into the circular economy model from the very beginning was because it 
continue to serve our desirability as humanity to continue to get better, to continue to grow, to continue to advance. Um, but what it does is, is it maintains the growth and the economic opportunity, but it decouples our dependency on resources. If we create systems and models that are regenerative, that has far more economic value for what we can achieve and how much we can provide than if we take finite resources and we run out of them. So for example, you know, we're depleting our soils and we're not looking after them. And now, you know, you look at the top of soils. I mean, there's crazy research out there because of the agricultural system and what we do and how we grow our food. If we were more regenerative with that, we could just create, look at rainforests, look at nature. There is no limit to how nature can thrive and recover because its entire system is regenerative by design. And that is the opportunity for us to shift to that. And you know what the great news is? It's worth trillions of dollars, right? The money is there. The economics is alternative business models that says, you know, um, we can create a product as a service. So instead of having a washing machine that is a white good, who cares about owning white goods? I don't care that I own a washing machine and a fridge. Do I want cold food and clean clothes? You're absolutely right, I do. But I don't care about the right goods, which is why when I'm finished with them or they break, I just throw them away. But each piece of that material is valuable. If the company rented the service, if I knew I could just pay a monthly subscription, you start to see the shift, you know, and we're seeing these new economic models coming in. So the future for me is so exciting because it is an economic solution. It will deliver prosperity for all of us, yeah. but we just have to change the way we think about it and the solutions that we create. Mm. Like when you say, like when you say monthly subscription for white goods, um, like my like my thought would be okay. There are a number of companies now which uh, rely on the subscription model, and it comes down to this: how many subscriptions goes beyond the whole point of it goes too like goes too far. If you get what I mean, and if you if depending on your sort of economic sort of resources, how if you could afford doing a subscription here, a subscription there having a subscription for your white goods, having a subscription for your TV, having a subscription for your like computer. There's only so much like people will be able to like afford, especially if economic situations were tight. Uh, what would you say would be a solution for that? I, I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to have all the solutions, but yeah. <laughs> well, the good news is, is these are the kinds of questions that, um, you know, I'm, I do think about it a lot and I support my community a lot with this stuff. And it, it, it's a, they're all valid questions. The, the challenges never stop coming. Mm. What matters is our intention, okay? If you come with a hard line that says, too many, subscription is, is, too many subscriptions are not gonna work, mm -hmm. right? Problem, right, that's the problem, right? Walk away from the problem. Um, then we're, not, we're never gonna get anywhere. 
what happens is with innovation and the whole reality of who we are as humanity and what is so amazing about us is our capacity to create from problem. And so you're seeing these subscription models coming up at the moment because they are a solution, they are regenerative. And in some ways they're actually reverting back to older ways of doing things that may actually have been more valuable to us in the first place. Take the washing machine example. You okay. know, we never owned washing machines. We never had washing machines in our home. We would take our washing once a week down to the laundrette and we would pay 20, whatever the money was, to wash our clothes and dry our clothes and bring them home. But now everyone gets told, oh, you can have the white goods in your home. So that's so the thing with the subscription model is it's going to evolve and it's going to change. And I think this all comes back to our intention. How are we living our lives and creating value in our lives that make us healthy and happy and allow us to do what we as social animals and beings want to do, which is contribute. We care about ourselves, but we also care about those people that we love and the communities that we are a part of. And if that's how we keep coming to the table as we face our problems, we will always be able to find a solution. We will always be able to evolve. And I think COVID is such a fantastic example of that how community has found a way to navigate through. Has it been perfect? Absolutely not. Have we needed to learn from it? Absolutely. Could we do it better next time? You're damn right. Will we do it better next time? You're damn right. Because guess what? We want to continue to be better. And that's what I mean by like, don't sit on the sidelines and judge. Pull your sleeves up. Think about what you care about. Start doing that and contribute and help and be open and willing to evolve. Mm, excellent. So I've got to say, so how are like apart from going to companies like telling like this is what I do, how are you sort of getting the sort of message out there about this, uh, about this opportunity well the human race has uh, to change things? Uh, what have you been doing along that line? Well, I'm very, very fortunate that over the last 10 years, I've been able to build and connect with some incredible people who are already doing some amazing things. So I'm really just serving first and foremost that community as best I can. So as opportunities, projects, connections come up, I jump in. Um, either as a strategist, a project manager, facilitator. Um, I basically hold space and allow the conversations to happen around me, help support vision finding, self-innovation management. So I describe the way I work as sort of as an assemble and disassemble model. Um, that's how Circular Economy Australia works. So you come to me um, maybe with a problem or a challenge, and then I identify if it's an organizational challenge or whether it's a personal challenge. And then we seek to solve it. So I don't have a one solution fits all reality because I think that that's limiting. Mm -hmm. But what I do is I work, I guess, as a consultant on the organizational side and then as a, a leadership coach or a mindset and productivity coach on the other side. So at the moment with COVID, 
as we've seen many organizations come to a standstill and the focus on, uh, I guess, just surviving being the priority, change has sort of slowed down in that space. And I've really seen the side of my coaching business um, take off where leaders are coming to me now to hold space for them so that they can think through about what they really want for themselves, how they manage the reality of juggling family, you know, commitments and this desire to lead the change they want to see in the world. And so I support them through that. And it's, it's all experiential. It's, you know, I don't come with a promise of massive transformation or results, but I hold the space for the experience to happen and we co-create. And I guess I'm just very lucky and privileged that we do get some really amazing outcomes. And I'm very fortunate to be a part of it because I'm working with people who are invested in, in having the desired outcomes of goodness. Ah, of goodness. I'm liking that. I'm liking it a lot. So answer me this, like from your goodness standpoint, if I had the power to grant you a wish to like make the world a certain way, like down to your desires, what would be that? How would you fulfill that wish? How would I fulfill that wish for you? That's really interesting because I'm currently watching Aladdin for the first time with my kids. And for the first time? For the yeah. first Wait, how old are you? For the first time? I've seen it, but they haven't seen it. So it's, wait, wait, uh, which, which Aladdin? Uh, we're watching the first one. Okay, okay. Um, the second one soon, I'm sure. For me, if I had one wish that I could use over and over again, or if, if my purpose, if you like, was one thing, it would be to be able to create the conditions for life to thrive. Because I think that it is about creating that space. You know, life is about living, okay? So we've got to go through the trials and tribulations to really appreciate the good, you know, the, the celebrations, the feasts, the famines, the trials, the tribulations, the whatever it might be. So I wouldn't take that away from us, but I would definitely open the door for saying, let's shift from this idea of scarcity towards this idea of abundance that we can push possibility to the space of thriving that we can push our economic way of being not about survival but about of thriving and celebrating and joy and greatness so yeah that would be my wish and it would be my wish for nine billion nine billion oh, wow wild right <laughs> okay this like oh fair enough like hey well come back to me in a month or two i'll, I'll, I'll work on that for you <laughs> oh brilliant so it's like oh excuse me <clears throat> so is there like any sort of book or literature you would recommend that someone read at this present time at the moment, I'm currently reading. Um, oh, at the moment, I'm reading a lot of information about nonverbal communication. I'm okay. doing a lot of studying about that, and that's very much returning back to my horse roots. 
So, you know, I'm realizing that for me in my life, and I guess I'll come back to your question and I'll just finish what I'm saying because I realize I'm going off on a tangent. Um, the, for me personally, my biggest area of growth at the moment is recognizing that speaking from a place of kindness mm. and necessity is really where you are able to create the opportunity to inspire others to change. And that the more we can let go of judgment, the more we can let go of resistance, the better. Mm. If I was to recommend any literature, if, so they're kind of different ones, right? So if you were interested in wanting to know more about circular economy, I would absolutely recommend um, William McDonoghue's work, which is Cradle to Cradle. He wrote a book called Remaking the Way We Make Things. And then he wrote uh, a follow-up book called Upcycle. That is a really beautiful um, book that really lays out the whole concept of redesign. It really lays out plenty of um, visions around how this idea can come to life with lots and lots of different examples. That would be my recommendation. Again, Simon Sinek, I, um, I'm reading Infinite Game of his at the moment, which is a great book. I, yeah, I, Mon actually talking of the horse stuff, I've just been reading Monty Roberts, Horse Sense for People, which is about how communication with the natural world, so horses and um, other animals, but primarily horses, this idea that, you know, these huge animals survive in the wild um, and they're herd animals. So all they have is the ability to flee, yet they're able to work in these amazing dynamics that allow them to fight off prey, um, you know, live in, in crazy environments. And how do they do that? What's the dynamic of how they work with each other in order to achieve this? So really looking at nature's way of solving a lot of the challenges we as people have to navigate every day and how they do it and how we can use that to have that as our wisdom of how we approach what we do and how we do it. Perfect, perfect. Now, before we go, like what have, like is there been a film or a TV show during lockdown which has brought you a little bit of joy or escape? Uh, yes. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> um, I think for me, so generally I don't tend to watch Netflix. I go on Netflix um, fasts. Okay. Find that actually when I fall into the dark hole of watching series, I tend to, yeah, I tend to, um, I'm not sure how much value it adds to my life, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. For me, I would, well, firstly, I love watching documentaries. The Bill Gates documentary series in Netflix is absolutely fantastic and yeah. really inspiring. I also watched um, for the first time uh, Free Solo, which is a which is the movie of um, the climber that climbed free in El Capitan in Yosemite. I saw that. Oh my God! No! Oh God! Like there was a couple of shots I looked out. I was like, Oh no! Oh no! 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 <laughs> 
definitely sweating watching that. Oh. Yeah, so things like that. I really like to, I guess I just have, with everything that I do, I just have a real interest in, in dynamic and how we as humanity interact with the natural world and then how we solve problems creatively. So I tend to fall into the documentary space a lot more than I do in the entertainment space. But there is one guilty pleasure that I do have. And um, if I am on Netflix and I am looking for something that's just all uh, lighthearted and humorous, um, I am a New Girl fan. So I do watch that too. Oh, there you go. Ah, oh, loving it. <laughs> like, yes, I've watched an episode of two of New Girl, and yeah, I understand. Like, yeah, I'm staying away from that at this present time. But yeah, got to say, with that El Capitan, it was mental. Uh, there was that section where they were trying to get across, and like the guy who led the way, time and time, day after day. Do it, trying to do that jump, couldn't do it. And then, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but the way he got around it was just like, I, I looked upon that and went, are you mental? But yeah, <laughs> I've got to say, when like you've got to think outside of the box sometime and he fought outside the box. I wouldn't have done it, but yeah. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Ah. Uh, I've got to say, yeah, uh, how can the lovely people out there find you and basically, yeah, get some more knowledge, get you on board? Well, thank you. So I have a website, which is just candacequartermain.com. And that basically from there, you can reach out and uh, communicate with me and get in touch. I also um, am on Instagram. I actually run a, an experience through Instagram, which is called a daily intention experience, Ooh. which is a experience that I host on WhatsApp, where a small group of people for a number of weeks, at the moment, it's a four week experience. We just finished an eight week experience, but you post one word of intention you seek to live by or have to anchor your day. Mm -hmm. And that is then showed and celebrated via my Instagram, which is at Candice Quartermain. So you can go and check it out and sign up to join it if it's of interest. Outstanding. I'd like to say thank you. I'll put all of that information in the show notes. Uh, yeah. So people can follow you, find you and like say hello. Maybe talk about an episode of a new girl with you. You never know. That's another story. Maybe talk about horses as well. But yes, Candice, uh, I'd like to say thank you. It's Quartermain. <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show today. And I'd like to say thank you to anyone who is still watching uh, the show. Thank you very much for hanging in there. I wish you a great day. Stay safe, stay well, be excellent, be cool, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and more. Have a great day, guys. Peace. <laughs> oh, she's waiting. Bye-bye.